Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now, the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Happy Thursday and welcome to the Variety and iHeart podcast, The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Today's first guest is Zoe Kravitz. I caught up with the 31-year-old actress from London, where she's been following stay-at-home orders after production of The Batman was halted due to COVID-19. I chatted with Kravitz about her starring role in the Hulu reboot of High Fidelity, playing Catwoman opposite Robert Pattinson as the Cape Crusader, her love of Britney Spears, and so much more. Then later, speaking of the DC Comics world, I've got Jai Courtney, most known as Captain Boomerang from Suicide Squad. But right now, Courtney is starring in Cape Blanchett's new refugee and immigration drama series, Stateless, as a guard at a detainment camp in the Australian desert. But yes, I also got him talking about the Suicide Squad sequel. So stick around, I'll have Zoe Kravitz coming up after the break. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Zoe Kravitz is currently in London, where she's been following stay-at-home orders ever since production on The Batman was shut down due to the coronavirus pandemic. If you haven't heard, Kravitz is playing the iconic feline villain Catwoman in the latest big-screen Cape Crusader movie. But earlier this year, she began attracting Emmy buzz for her starring role in the Hulu reboot of High Fidelity. Find out what Kravitz thought when she was first told that High Fidelity was being adapted for television, what it was like seeing herself for the first time as Catwoman, and what she thinks of Robert Pattinson as the new Batman. Hi, Zoe. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. So you were filming in London. Was there any thought that you would just return to the States or you just decided, you know what, I'm just going to stick it out? Yeah, it was, um, it was actually a really hectic, uh, time trying to figure out what to do because, you know, it all happened really fast. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, the movie's on hold and is it just, is it for a week? Is it for three weeks? And then all of a sudden it was two months. And so, um, uh, yeah, a lot of my friends and family called us, you know, saying, are you going to come back to the States? And, um, it just felt like, what's the point? You know what I mean? Why am I going to get on a plane, go to a crowded airport? And especially at that time, um, because they were talking about closing the borders, it was, you know, I saw pictures of what the airports looked like and what it looked like to get it back into the country. And it was, you know, hundreds of people squished next to each other. Yeah. That's the last thing I want to do, you know? So (laughs) um, it just seemed like, look, you know, we're really supposed to be keeping to ourselves right now anyway. So let's just stay put. How do you know when you're going to feel safe to go back to a production? And that's, I mean, I don't know, you know, it's really interesting because there's like, there's this one part of me that feels so, I I want to go back to work so badly. Part of me is hoping to wake up every day to an email or a phone call saying we're ready to go. And at the same time, I don't know what that reality would actually feel like, you know, even if they said, it's, it's okay. It's safe. You know, come, come on through. Right. I still don't know how I'm going to feel in the makeup chair or when the sound guy comes to fix my mic or, you know, especially as an actor, you have people just touching your, touching your face, touching your body all day right. long. You know, I need, I need help getting into the cat suit, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's, I can't do it on my own. So, um, <laughs> Uh, it's, it's really interesting. I really, I genuinely went from a job where I was probably touched more than 
any job just because of you know the the, the clothes and the you know the combat and all of that and all of a sudden right. yeah I just don't know what that looks like so yeah how do you go back and do combat scenes I don't know. like I don't know. talk about touching and spitting and I mean it has to be a situation where you you know the person that you're in the scene with has been tested you have been tested that same day. I don't know how that works, but you, there's no possible right. way to do a scene with anyone that you could even question, you know, is, is infected in any way. Right. right. So let's talk about a show that's already done. You've already filmed Sorry, it. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. Um, so high fidelity, they come to you. They say, Hey, we got this idea. What goes through your mind? Oh no, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, genuinely that was the first thing that went through my mind it's funny because I've been saying this and then I had this whole thought about like should I be lying about that but I think it's okay I think it's like no I, you know I am uh, I'm, I'm wary of the reboot and I'm wary of the gender flip and um, as I know a lot of other people are I know when people heard the show was done with me in it people had the same reaction so I relate right. to that feeling you know and um i uh you know first of all i think sometimes people are doing these gender flips just to do the gender flip and that becomes that becomes the focus that becomes the reason for right. doing it you know and um on top of that i feel like you know i went back when i heard this was going on i went back and read the book again which i hadn't read in you know seven years or something i don't know mm. and i just fell in love with the world all over again and then i felt really protective and i thought what if i don't do this and they fuck it up <laughs> and um and so i thought you know i have this opportunity to be involved in a project with source material that i love before the season's written before the cast has been cast you know before it was set in la it was a completely different thing and so i thought i could really have some influence here and i could try and you know, they're going to make the show probably one way or another, whether I'm in it or not. So right. why not help, you know, why not contribute and try and, you know, bring this story to a new generation from a new point of view and also try and protect um, this beautiful source material that Nick Hornby wrote however many years ago. Was there ever a thought that they would change your name, Rob, to a more traditionally women's name? You know, it's interesting. So in the pilot, in the original pilot, which is very different from the pilot that we ended up shooting, but in the pilot, her name was Alex, which was funny because it's also, you know, um, could be a man's right. name. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> but that was one of the first things that I, you know, asked to change is, you know, of course, this character is Rob. This is you know, and I love the idea of a, of a female character named Rob. And now it's just, you know, it's not Robert, it's Robin. And um, in the book, it was Fleming. And in the movie, it was Gordon. In the show, it's Brooks. We change a little something every time. And um, mm. yeah, I'm so happy that we did too, because I just, I love, I love, I love that name for her. So, so was that your idea to keep the name Rob? It was, yes. Oh, wow. So do, do you say, hey, I'm going to do the show on one condition? <laughs> There were many Keep conditions. That was one, that was one of them. <laughs> that was one of them. Um, the, the original show was set in New York. I mean, sorry, it was set in LA. I moved to New yeah. York. Um, mm. And there were a lot of things that we changed. And just, I think the tone right. in general changed pretty drastically. Yeah. So what do you like about Rob? Oh man, she's just, she's trying, you know, she's trying. <laughs> I, I, it's funny because, you know, when I watched this movie, I read this book years ago, I always identified with, with the Rob character, but I, but I romanticized him. Um, mm. And then, of course, looking back, you read the book, you see the movie, and you're like, this, is, this guy's an asshole. Um, he's a misogynist <laughs> asshole. Uh, why did I think that was cool? And why did I think that was sexy? And why did I think that was interesting? And then to come back and play this character from a different point of view, it wasn't like, oh, I'm playing this really cool, sad, fucked up person who's just, you know, can't get it together. And we love that about her. It was more, you know, I've 
I think I was this person at one point in my life. I'd like to think that I'm past that now. And it's this really <laughs> uncomfortable kind of like these growing pains where you, you have to figure out who you want to be. Who are you? You have to look at yourself and do a lot of work. And it's hard and mm. it's messy and it's uncomfortable. But I think it's something that literally every person goes through. So, um, yeah, it was just interesting to come at it from a different point of view, which was, you're going to be all right, Rob. You're shitty right now. But you're going to be all right. <laughs> so how uncomfortable and messy did it get for you to figure out who you were? Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> it's so funny. My, um, my friend, one of my best friends sent me, you know, we're all in quarantine and bored and doing weird things. And the other day she said she started sending me all these old photos. Whew, she sent all these photos of us, you know, from, I don't know, 2000 and five or something you know and if we i had it really sent me into this crazy spiral because a i thought we looked really cool at the time <laughs> and looking at these photos i was just like dude what what, what, what? <laughs> she said my friend said i think we were playing a game where we would get dressed in the dark with no mirror and then anytime we caught our reflection anywhere we would take a shot like that <laughs> <laughs> it just looked so messy and then the people we're hanging out with and the the plate and we're out and we're dancing and it was just so messy and looking at these pictures i a hardly recognized this person and at mm. the time it's similar to the way i looked at the rock character i thought we were we were the coolest people in new york we were the coolest people right. in new york and we were having the best time and looking back, I'm like, I feel bad for any partner I had during this time. <laughs> I mean, whoa, I was probably just a nightmare. And it's because I was doing zero work on myself. You know, wow. it's your early 20s are really rough, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, the sheer, and the sheer confidence too. I'm like, man, I am wearing those leggings like no one could tell me that those leggings were not a good idea. And there's something beautiful about that confidence, but also, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy that I'm now in a place where I am paying a little more attention to who I am and, and what I'm wearing. <laughs> and now you are 31 and you are married. And I'm married and, um, you know, less, less bad, bad choices, I would like to think. And not that, I, you know, there's, you know, life is an ongoing struggle. So of course there's yeah. always um, work to be done, but there's, there's that first step where it's like, I'm an adult. Oh wait, I have so <laughs> much more work to do. Fuck. You know, and that's, Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm a few, I'm a few years older than you. And, um, listen, I've done my work. Oh God, if I'd done my work, but I've been married now, my husband and I, were going to be married. God, I can't, I shouldn't forget this, right? Six years. <laughs> Um, and it's the best thing I've ever done in my life. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's what I tell everyone. Cause I was not some, I was not the gay guy who was going to get married. Nope. Mm -hmm. Not going to do it. And it turned out, I say it all the time. I highly recommend it. Marriage is a beautiful partnership and it's also been, um, yeah. it's been really interesting during this time too. Just, you know, <laughs> this is not the most, this is not like the, the, the sexiest time, you know? And so just to have your, your partner to go, you know, I, and I feel for a lot of my single friends too, you know, right now, I think it's, yep. and also a lot of people are stuck in relationships with people right now who they don't want to be with. So it's, you know, the grass is always greener, but um, yeah, I think marriage is, is a really beautiful thing and I'm very grateful right now for that. Oh, that's sweet. So let's go back to the show. Um, yeah. Second season, is it going to be one? Do you want one? Do you see what's the future? We have, I don't know yet. We haven't been told. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would love to. I think the show has a lot of potential. I think um, there's a lot more growing to do for everybody. And there's a lot more mm. trouble to get into. Um, you know, I think there's, I, I think there's a lot of places we could go and I would love to go there, but if we don't, I still think I'm very proud of the season that we did. Um, we saw Rob, you know, grow just a little bit. And if that's all mm -hmm. we get, that's okay too. Um, but I do know that the show has meant a lot to a lot of people. I think a lot of people have felt seen by the show. 
Um, yeah, tell me more about that. When you hear from fans, when you hear from viewers who say, you know what, thank you. I mean, the amount of, you know, comments, DMs, you know, just things on Twitter, articles written about, you know, just especially brown women who love music, who are afraid of commitment, who've never seen a person like them on television. You know, um, they feel seen for the first time. Or you know, I have a friend who, um, one of his best friends is, you know, loves punk music and, and is gay. And was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm watching a, a, a gay man in a minor threat shirt. I've never seen that before, you know? He's <laughs> um, breaking away from the stereotypes, you know? Um, I feel like, uh, I feel like people, people need that, you know? So um, I, I'm, I'm really, I feel very lucky to have been able to, to deliver that because that was really one of the most important things for me was authenticity mm. and, and bringing the real world to life. And, um, you know, I've lived in New York for a long time and, you know, in a lot of ways, this was a love letter to New York and um, mm -hmm. with all its messiness and diversity and, you know, the dating world and it's strange and people come in, out of, come in and out of your life. And, um, oh, I cracked. Carl, <laughs> my husband's playing video games. <laughs> he cracked something, I heard. <laughs> he cracked something. <laughs> um, quarantine life yay I know, I know. um anyway so i lost my train of thought but um but that was really important to me and so the fact that we delivered that and people did feel that even if we don't get to do it again i feel like um i feel like we did our job you know when you talk about authenticity how often you know did you look at the script and say you know what that needs to be tweaked. That's just not feeling real. A lot, a lot. And, I, and we did eventually find our groove, but I think, you know, the, one of the things that I'm allergic to um, are punchlines because mm -hmm. that's not how people talk. So I don't want a setup and a punchline. I want funny people. Just give me funny people <laughs> who say weird, funny things, who respond in strange ways, and that's all you need. But I don't want a setup. If I can detect a punchline, unless it's a character telling a joke, I don't want it. Right. You know, it was really important that this wasn't about like um, having some kind that works and when it works, you know, you have something like friends and, you know, it, it worked beautifully and I laugh every time. But this is that's just not what I wanted to do with with this show. You know, I wanted this to be a world that felt real and a group of people that you wanted to hang out with. Because when I watch movies like this, you know, and I grew up watching these kinds of movies about nothing and everything, you know, you have Empire <laughs> Records and reality bites and clerks and you know I, I and high fidelity you know and it's just about seeing yourself and wanting to and having this group of people feel like your friends and wanting to hang out with them wanting to be in the record store knowing getting to know the characters well enough when someone says something you're like oh shit how's Sharice gonna react to this because I know this bitch right you know it's just so fun <laughs> to, to, to get to that place with these characters so um, tonally, that was something that I really um, kept in mind. So you just mentioned Friends. I have to ask you, what are you binging right now? What do you binge while you're in quarantine? I have just started Pose, and I'm obsessed with it. <sighs> um, I know mm. I'm late to the game, but I just, um, you know, I, Paris is Burning is one of my all-time favorite documentaries. Um, and so I was nervous a little bit, the same way I'm sure people felt about high fidelity. You know, when they, when something is dear mm. to your heart, you side eye it when people adapt it in any way. Um, but it's just been, I've just been loving it. Um, I just think it's, everyone on the show is so good. The drama is so fun. It's, it's deep and emotional and um, mm. informative, you know, about what that time was really like, you know. Because it's easy yeah. to have all the, you know, you have the Madonna song and you have the, the pictures and it's so fun and fabulous. But to just, I love the way that I really feel that Ryan Murphy's been ruthless in the way that he's going to keep on reminding us what was really going on at this time. Right. You know, they don't ever let you get too far into just, it's fun, you know? And mm. um, anyway, I've yeah, been loving that. Um, now I have to ask you, I'm going to just have to ask you about it. Your Britney Spears fandom. You standing oh. Britney Spears. Tell me more about that, please. That's <laughs> <laughs> funny. I mean, I, 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 um, you know, I was, I was, I was that demographic, right? She was, she was the biggest yep. star in the world when I was a kid. 
and I got to meet her and um I just, you know, there's like no one bigger than Britney Spears in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, I, it's funny. It's funny that that was so long ago, but, you know, NSYNC is still a big deal to me. You know, Britney Spears is still a big deal to me. Um, but I think it was really just a coincidence that I, po- I posted that picture of me and her. And then I, of course, binged Tiger King because I'm a human being with a television and, um, <laughs> And then saw that picture with, you know, homeboy in the background and just like, what? And it was, and it like affected me just because I'm like, I remember that performance. Like, it's just the worlds are colliding and nothing makes sense. And what is going on? Like, it was just so funny. Just like, I don't know. It just felt like, it felt like a Twilight Zone moment. You know what I mean? I have so many questions about this now, um, but you have to tell, tell me about when you met Brittany. What happened? Uh, I met her. My dad surprised me. He came, he came into town. He came into town and, you know, I think he was gone a lot on tour and all of that. So he was really sweet about when he would, you know, come into town to try and, you know, do something fun and surprise me or, you know, take me to Disneyland mm. or whatever, you know. Looking back, it's like, I really just probably wanted to spend time with him and that's all I wanted. But right. but that didn't hurt. So, um, but uh, Mark Seliger, who's a uh, dear friend, family friend was shooting the cover yep. that day i remember my dad taking me somewhere not telling me where we were going and then getting out of the car and going into this dark studio and then looking and seeing this you know weird little set in the distance and then as i got closer i was like <gasps> you know just, oh my god it's pretty it's pretty she's right there <laughs> um and then got to yeah take this picture and then also you know at the time didn't even realize that it was her album cover shoot and that it would, of course, become this wow. iconic cover shoot. And um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was very cool. It was very, very cool. If you're in the Batman, your stepfather's in Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you could end up in like a Justice League movie together, right? I guess that is totally possible. I, I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, that would be cool. That'd be fun. Um, it's interesting because tonally, I think this movie, this Batman film's different. So it's, right. it's interesting to me when you kind of start to collide. The, I don't know how these things work really, but you know, when you start to, to meld world cross worlds, but the tones of the films that the people have been in are a little different. So how do you do that and keep everyone authentic to their character? So I'm curious right. how that would work. But obviously, you know, I would love to go to work with, with Jason every day. That would be super <laughs> I mean, I was at the Aquaman premiere and it was just, it was so much fun. Oh, good. I was so happy for him, man. He's, it's, it's been so cool to watch, you know, the world um, embrace him. And, um, you know, when I met him, he was, he was Jason on the sci-fi show. And now, right. he's, now he's Jason. And it's, it's very cool. It's very really cool to see. Yeah, we did this thing um, with at Variety on the carpet where we played Name That Fish. And we had photos of different fish for the cast of Aquaman to see if they can name what kind of fish they were. Hilarious. And of course, do. Jason got them all right. And oh, I wow. said, I said, you got them all right. He's like, I'm fucking Aquaman. I'm fucking Aquaman. <laughs> he, he takes that seriously. You know what I mean? He really is like, he really he is Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> um, so why is Rob Pattinson the perfect the Batman good question you know I mean he's first of all he's just a really good actor he's a really good actor he's he's, he's it's funny because you know he started out as this kind of teen pop sensation yeah. and then I think you know we all kind of saw through his work that there was a lot more going on and he's a really interesting artist and that is very much Batman in a way, right? You know, we have this like the illusion of Bruce Wayne, right? Right. And then we have Batman in the shadows that has a lot more complicated things going on. So, I mean, just in that, I think he's perfect for this role. You know, I think he really, um, I think he can relate in that way. And, um, he looks good in the suit, man. He looks good in the suit. He's got a good jawline, line, you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, he's just a great actor, and he brings so much to everything he does. You know, I think Batman's a really hard role because 
um, A, of course, it's iconic and people are expecting a lot. And also, um, it's it's restricting in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? You're wearing this suit and you can't see, you know, can't see their eyes and you can only move in a certain way. So you have to get really creative in terms of, you know, how can you portray a, a multidimensional character? And um, mm. I, think he's, I think he's way up for the challenge and has really interesting ideas already. And um, yeah, I think he's, I think he's perfect. Last year, one of my favorite movies, and Rob knows this because I've told him this a gazillion times, was The Lighthouse. I know. I know. I love that movie. Like, people think I'm insane. No, it's crazy. Like, it's crazy. It's such a gorgeous it's The lighting, movie. right? Yeah. I mean, he holds his own against Willem Dafoe. It's unreal. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. But, he, but it's, he's a strong actor. He's a really strong actor. I mean, he's... Mm. Um, he's not afraid to take chances too, which I think is some, definitely a quality that is needed for a role like Batman. So what was it like seeing yourself as Catwoman for the first time? <laughs> it's cool, man. <laughs> it's cool. Um, can't say it wasn't cool. Um, but, <laughs> um, but I've been really trying to not think too much about just what that character means to everybody else. And, um, just because it can be a little, I think, distracting in the in the wrong way. Just especially when you're trying to become someone else. So, you know, especially because I felt, you know, when when the announcement came out that I got in this role, you know, my phone like it it rang more than it has ever. You know, like more than my birthday, <laughs> more than my wedding, more than any. So it was. I felt the immediate pressure, and I kind of in that moment had to decide, okay, am I going to pay attention to this or not? You know, because um, I have a job to do and I don't want that to um, interfere in any way. So the script is phenomenal. The story is really strong. You know, I'm very, I feel very clear on, on who Selena is and what she wants. Mm. Um, And I'm trying to stay more focused on that, you know, and then (laughs) of course, yeah, Catwoman, very, very cool, but I'm trying to just <laughs> hold, hold Selena in my heart right Have you spoken to Michelle Pfeiffer or Halle Berry? I've spoken, I spoke to Michelle. I, we sat um, at the same table at the Golden Globes, um, and I've met her a bunch over the years because of David Kelly, and she's always been so nice. Right. Um, she was just, I was, I had just gotten cast, so I was really nervous to, to be around her, and, um, <laughs> and she was so sweet. She just gave me a big hug and said, you know, you're going to be great. That was really just amazing, and um, and and Hallie, both Hallie and and Anne were really sweet, and um, on Instagram or Twitter, you know, sent really sweet encouraging right. messages when when that um, when that was announced. So I feel I feel supported by my girls, which is which is huge. Of course, <laughs> we've talked about Britney Spears, even Stephen. Yeah, man, this is I was. That's how you can tell what year I was born. Obviously, this is what I grew up watching. <laughs> Zoe, thank you so much. This is so wonderful. Yeah, thank this you. This is it's great. Nice to speak with and, you. And congratulations on everything. Congratulations on the wedding. I know it's a little, you know. Thank you. No, while, thank but... you. Our, our year anniversary is coming up soon, actually, which is so crazy. So we'll be probably in quarantine. <laughs> thank you very much. Have yeah. a good one. Stay yeah. safe and stay thank well. Thanks. I Thanks, Zoe. Bye. Bye. Same here. That was Zoe Kravitz. High Fidelity is available on Hulu. I'm going to take a short break, but when I come back, Jai Courtney talks about his new Netflix series, Stateless. Plus, he reveals his favorite day filming on set of the new Suicide Squad sequel. Stay tuned. It's safe to say 2020 was one of the most difficult years ever for so many. And these remain very challenging times. That's why I'm here to ask you, how can I help? My name is Dr. Gail Saltz, host of the new weekly podcast, How Can I Help with Dr. Gail Saltz, brought to you by the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. I'm a clinical associate professor of psychiatry at the New York Presbyterian Hospital, a psychoanalyst, best-selling author, and I'm here to help. Join me every Friday where you can ask your most pressing questions and get helpful guidance on topics ranging from coping with anxiety and mood, relationships, to family and parenting issues, to workplace dynamics, to dealing with COVID fatigue, and everything in between. While it has been a tough time, 
You don't have to navigate it alone. So, how can I help? You can send your questions anonymously to me at howcanihelp at senecawomen.com and I will answer with specific advice and understanding. Listen to How Can I Help with Dr. Gail Saltz on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Suicide Squad fans know Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang, but the 34-year-old actor's latest work is a far cry from those superhero shenanigans. In Stateless, he plays a guard at a refugee detainment camp in the Australian desert. Inspired by true events, particularly the story of Carolyn Rao, an Australian resident with mental illness who was held for 10 months in an immigration detention center, Stateless was co-created by Kate Blanchett, who also appears in the series as the wife of a cult leader. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm good. Thanks for taking the time. No, thanks for thanks for jumping on a Zoom call with me. Um, wow, Stateless. That's heavy. It's really heavy material. You, uh, you've had a chance to see some. That's awesome. How did you get involved? Um, does Kate Blanchett call you? Do you end up in an audition room with Kate Blanchett? Uh, I didn't this time around. Uh, basically what happened, I was, um, my reps in Australia uh, called and uh, basically just said that this really interesting um, piece was kind of coming together. And, um, you know, w- was I interested in the idea of it at all? Um, Kate being involved is like a huge, um, you know, draw cut. You're like, I'm listening immediately and obviously I'm going to do it no matter what. So uh, that was the first step. And then I had the joy of reading the first couple of scripts um, and was immediately pulled into, um, you know, this this kind of crazy landscape, this world that, um, I don't know. They, I just feel like the way Elise uh, was was sort of unpacking the issues around um, around immigration and 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 detention centers and all that kind of stuff, which we can get into. Um, I I was just really attracted to it, and and the role of Cam um, being a guard, but kind of uh, not perhaps in the way that we might have thought his function would operate in something like this um was was really attractive and um obviously you know kate's involvement brings a certain prestige to it you know that um she's going to attract a, a high caliber of um creatives in, in in every department uh so it was i mean it was a no-brainer it was it was something i felt i i, I must be a part of and um was very privileged to be invited along I still feel that way I'm, i really am i'm so grateful for it we're so happy with how it turned out and and um I don't know. It's just, it was a really thoroughly enjoyable and, and kind of immersive experience as an actor. How much did you know about um, the refugee situation in Australia, these detention centers? What, what was sort of your education? How much did you have to educate yourself to, um, you know, prepare for the role? I would say I didn't know enough and I, I, I would argue I still don't. And I think it's, um, it's why it's such a powerful piece is because, you know, it kind of starts to unpack um, an issue. It can, by no means can it, you know, really tell the full story as it sort of, you know, uh, it's kind of impossible to, to encapsulate. But, um, I mean, look, I was aware of, of some of the issues that we'd had. This story is set uh, around, I want to say, 05, 06. Um, and I remember when... Um, the last of our onshore detention facilities were shut down. Um, and, and guiltily, I guess this is sort of one of the things that you start to figure out. I mean, you know, we're all aware in Australia that we have um, offshore facilities now, but because of the way, um, you know, those centres are protected from media exposure and, um, you know, and are kind of protected by government, I guess it... it, it it's really easy to just not be educated enough on the realities of it. And so, um, you know, the choice by them to, to uh, center it around this particularly fragile time when, when things really moved from one um, kind of uh, one setup to another, uh, I think was really interesting, but 
I mean, there's so many stories that could be told and obviously, um, you know, we're not exposed to them enough, really, I think. Did you meet with real guards? Did you, did you reach out to sort of, cause it's a, it's a unique position. It's not, you know, it's not just anybody who could do something like that. Often it is kind of the everyman um, in the societies around these facilities that, that winds up taking uh, these jobs and, the real letdown is their lack of um, of training and lack of preparation for what it really demands, and I think that's what's that's what was such a heartbreaking thing for me to learn uh, in meeting some of the guards. And you know, I had resources that were very close to um, to Cam and his kind of journey and plight, and um, that's echoed in some of the stuff that Elise developed for the character and, and Kate and those guys, and um, and some of that stuff kind of wound up in there. Um, there were also people I met who had attitudes that completely polarized um, what we sort of come to, uh, you know, uh, decide about how uh, the guards were or how it impacted them. You know, there was there was one woman I spoke to who really only had quite fond memories, and uh, she'd stayed in the in the penal system and uh, was still working as a guard. Another contact I had, it works as a guard in the prisons. Now, uh, not to say that that's, you know, necessarily anything to do with how they see themselves or um, the position they felt they needed to take on, but often it's down to like the the job opportunities that are available in these remote towns, um, these parts of Australia. That's where they place these institutions um, and these facilities. It's kind of, they're out of the cities. Um, they're in usually kind of, working class areas and it's a perfectly legitimate position to want to take where the money's pretty decent and the conditions are okay. And, um, you know, you don't have to have a university degree to um, take on a position there. And so on paper, that's all, um, that all makes a ton of sense. And that's certainly something that my character Cam, uh, his philosophy around it is, is centered on, you know, he's kind of pulled in through a friend, um, who at the time everything's working out for. I mean, they're making great money. Uh, it's a bit of it's a bit of an adventure. It's like doing something new in a part of the world that's um, can be, you know, mind-numbingly slow at times. And and so the attraction to that is is completely understandable. Um, it's just unfortunate that uh, really what ends up happening is these people take on far too much responsibility for their level of training. And, um, you know, what's the reality of the circumstances and how it's affecting the detainees, um, you know, directly relates to, uh, you know, how the guards kind of um, experience of the, of the facility is. And it's just like this cyclical, you know, clusterfuck because no one's looked after the systems failing everybody. Um, and you wind up with a whole pe- bunch of people who are ill-equipped to, um, to deal with the mental health issues that, that are arising, to deal with the, um, you know, uh, the physical health issues that are arising and, uh, and then the pressures of you know, the, the companies that are put in place to manage these joints um, and, and the pressure that comes down to them from a kind of employee perspective and it's just like chaos ensues. And uh, it's, um, I grew compassion for people who took on these positions because, you know, most often than not, they were always coming into it with um, absolute kind of uh, blind, innocent kind of intention to do what they thought was right within a community. And uh, as we mm-hmm. kind of come to learn, it's, it's you know, it's a system that's letting them down just as much as anyone else. I love the juxtaposition because we see Cam, we see you, you're this big burly guy, you're expecting him to be the real sort of tough ass when you first see him and he turns out to be sort of the heart of this center. Um, you know, he's a teddy bear and you see some of these women who were just brutal. Were you surprised when you were reading the script to find that? Because I guess I went into my, you know, I went into with preconceived notions, like this woman's not going to beat someone. And there she is. She was evil. Well, I think that's the that's the crazy part, and that's what you learn to be true. And, and there's a lot of evidence out there. There's some great documentary material that we were all um, introduced to as part of our research. And 
Um, unfortunately, you know, yeah, it's it's on one hand, you know, the the the, the mistreatment is totally inexcusable, um, and you know, built into that idea, which you sort of come to understand is how so much of that is a reflection of, um, you know, the guards being let down in their own system and therefore, you know, not being able to have the outlet, the, the um, you know, the resources to deal with their own levels of depression and, and, and anxiety and the bullshit that comes with the job um, is, is, you know, it gets, it bounces outwards and, and the victims, you know, the, the innocent victims in this case are, are so often the detainees and, and, it's totally unfair, but uh, I, I found it uh, a, a refreshing approach. I think, you know, that something that was so interesting to me about the character was that I wasn't folding in as this kind of enforcer. Um, and, uh, you know, he is, he, he's just such an innate, he is, he's a, you know, he's called a care bear exactly there. He, he kind of has that quality to him. Mm-hmm. He's a young father. He, he takes on the position purely to better his family situation. Um, and as we see through the course of the story, I mean, it twists him up and he loses sight of who he is completely, um, which I found fascinating and, and, you know, unfortunately all too common within these communities. So how much did you know about the story of Cornelia Rao? That was fascinating. You know, I did that deep dive Google after watching it because I even said at one point, well, I didn't know anything about the character that inspired it. Cornelia, and I said to my husband, it, it looks like she's schizophrenic. And then when I started doing the research, it turns out this woman was. Um, what did you know about her? I didn't know anything at all, uh, nothing at all. And so I, you know, I, I, I researched actually coming in as well. And, um, you know, obviously Yvonne's character is not, she doesn't play her by any means, but um, there is some, there's right. some stuff that's been pulled from her story, which, you know, has inspired the events. And I mean, it's harrowing to consider that, um, you know, the, the, the failings there that, that kind of took place, which le- left her in this system for so long. And um, yeah, I mean, truly kind of heartbreaking in that sense, but quite fascinating as well. And I mean, yeah. it just goes to show that, that really, no matter what, even, even from a bureaucratic level, um, there were like total holes in it, uh, where, you know, not only was it about border protection, but, um, you know, the, the system couldn't even protect its own, which is, um, you know, pretty disgraceful when you think about it. When did you shoot um, the series? We shot last year. Um, where are we now? In June. It was right through this period. Uh, yeah, I think May we kicked off of, of 2019 and... and um, we shot in a remote part of South Australia for the most part, and then also in in Adelaide and studios down there. Um, amazing part of the world, uh, yeah. So we were down there through the uh, through the winter months, which was chilly <laughs> in the, on the desert plains. Because it it sort of um, it's taking on even a, uh, as if it's not heavy enough, but now it just borders being closed. It just took on a whole other level when I was watching it. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I mean, the the timing is is incredible. It's it's never been more relevant. And I know that Kate was. Uh, you know, they've talked about trying to get this story off the ground for a number of years. Um, and I think it goes to show that people are ready to kind of have this conversation. And we're we're seeing obviously such um, huge shifts uh, in all sorts of societal structures uh, at the moment, which is, um, which is great. And, and uh, you know, I, I hope that audiences can um, engage with this and, and see that it's something that doesn't take necessarily a hardline uh, approach to, to jamming a message down anyone's throat. It, it really honestly tries to um, pull apart something that, you know, you can, you can attack from all sorts of different angles and, and understand that um, what we really need in, in, you know, is reform um, more than anything else. And how, I mean, what's important here too is you put a face on it. You know, we hear the political debates and there's no humanity connected to it. Here, you give humanity to the issue. How important is that? I think it's incredibly important. I mean, it was a huge part of what pulled us all in. It was a huge um, part of the success of, of, you know, Elise's writing and Belinda's writing and, uh, you know, what they managed to do so well 
is humanize these issues and and you know and put faces and names to this thing which is what makes you know that's how you change the conversation when something becomes relatable and you know uh, a family member can understand that you know uh it's not what they think necessarily because they see themselves in the eyes of someone else who's in a situation um you know far more perilous in their own and then then i think that's when um you know sadly it sometimes comes to that but but uh as far as moving forward that's what it takes sometimes and 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 i i i believe stateless um does that incredibly well and and i you know i, I hope that it uh it shifts some perspectives that's for sure so to take a turn on a on a on a lighter note captain boomerang suicide squad 2 i have spoken to margot robbie joel kinnaman and both of them had said when I said, what's the difference between one and two? And they say, two is just really funny. It's very, very funny. Do you agree? Yeah, I think, I think it will be really funny. Um, I think it's, you know, it's, it's kind of got a different flavor. There's a whole bunch of, you know, new, new introduced characters. Um, and, you know, I think James Gunn has an approach to things that is, uh, I don't know, uniquely his. And, and I feel like just, you know, he pulls um, pulls a lot of that into the Suicide Squad uh, world, and I think that you know it fits really well, and um, audiences are going to have a lot of fun with it, just as as we did. So how do you how do you um, welcome someone like Idris Elba or Pete Davidson to set? Um, we know that uh, Jared Leto definitely had a unique way. <laughs> of uh uh <laughs> getting friendly with people how how do you how do you get them sort of you have this group already that knows each other so well so now you you have to bring in these new people you know it's funny it it didn't it didn't really take much at all it's i think with you know when when it when an when when an ensemble assembles of that kind of uh size and and of you know these amazing kind of characters not just within the ones we play on screen but within those that are kind of portraying them as well. Um, you've got so many great personalities in the space and so many wonderfully talented, um, funny people. I mean, it really is like so many of these casts are just ridiculous. That When we make these movies, we're all having such, such fun. And uh, it's never hard. I mean, look, it hasn't been yet. We haven't made 10 Suicide Squads, but, um, but uh, we've always had a ball doing it. And uh, such great, <laughs> I feel really privileged to be surrounded by you know, such talent and to be counted among them. It's, um, it's very cool. Tell me about your most fun on set that you had on Suicide, Suicide Squad 2. What was the most fun? I mean, God, it's so hard to say things without, you, you never, like, I can never remember how many texts I'm bound to um, without, uh, without blowing anything. But um, I won't say too much, but there's a particular sequence uh, when, uh, you know, I get very wet and so, and a, and a few other people do. And, uh, that, um, you know, that, that just, uh, hilarity kind of ensued, uh, when it came to that, when you're spending hours upon hours, uh, in a, in a water tank with, uh, with a bunch of people treading water and you've got styrofoam stuffed into every crevice of your costume, <laughs> to try and take the load off. It's 4am and you're doing this for the third night in a row. Uh, it gets quite ridiculous. Um, it's never as glamorous as as I think audiences like to believe sometimes, and that's what makes it so much fun. Um, you know, we we do work hard to try and make these films as entertaining as we can, and uh, and we always have a ball doing it. Do you ever, in a scene like that, you're in this water tank? Do you ever stop for a second, going, "What has my life become?" All the time. Like whether who whoever's next to you, like. You have to sort of just be like, this is surreal. It's ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. Uh, and, you know, look, I, I, I am lucky in the sense that sometimes I'm making these small budget gritty dramas like Stateless and, and sometimes I'm out shooting these big ridiculous kind of action comedies like Suicide Squad and, and to have, you know, feet on both of those kind of trains in a way is a lot of fun and it also means that I'm, you know, I never get tired of it. And sometimes it's about pouring all you got into the work and into the character and the script and, and really mining it for, um, for depth and, 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 and finding as much richness as you can. And sometimes it's just about getting ridiculous and, and having a ball and, 
and hoping that audiences do too. And, and um, yeah, I mean, making these films is such a gift. We get to play with the craziest toys and wear the silliest stuff and, and be, you know, the most bizarre versions of ourselves. Uh, and so you know, I, I certainly have a lot of fun with that and, and hope to do many more. If you could have one co-star you haven't worked with yet, who would it be? Who's that dream co-star? In like life, like everyone. Oh man, everyone. I'm a huge right fan. now. I'm a huge <laughs> fan of Christian Bale. I would love to work with Christian Bale someday and see his process and witness that. Uh, I love just about everything he's ever done, and I have such admiration for him as an actor and the way he transforms. So, um, yeah, that'd be a dream come true. Do you have a favorite Christian Bale performance? Oh man. Favorite. <laughs> I mean, honestly, uh, I, it's hard. To, I mean, he, in the fighter, the David O. Russell movie, it's like that was one of I. I love. I mean, he's so good. He just like you lose him, and he becomes yeah. someone else every time he's on screen. But but that's that comes to mind. He was a he was a riot in that. So if you weren't an actor, what would you be doing? If I wasn't an actor, I would be, well, look, to be honest, I'd probably be playing music, which I do a little of as well. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I'd like to think I owned a shitty bar somewhere and just like polished glasses <laughs> all day and pulled beers for the locals. Awesome. Jai, thank you so much. This is great. Sorry for the tech problems at the beginning. Thanks so much. Congratulations. Such a powerful, powerful series. Um, and I can't wait to see Suicide Squad too. So I was a huge fan of the first one. So I really appreciate it. Thanks for your support. You got it. Take care. That was Jai Courtney. Stateless premieres on Netflix on July 8th. That's it for today's episode of The Big Ticket. Coming up next week, Kenya Barris, the creator of Blackish and creator and star of Black AF. We had lots to talk about. Plus, Henry Cavill opens up about his leather attire in Netflix fantasy action series, The Witcher. I'll have Barris, Cavill, and so much more next week on The Big Ticket. Until then, don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mark Malkin. And for all your Hollywood news, head over to Variety.com. Stay safe and be well. I'll see you next time. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.